0: How do you ensure that you keep your value up, your Mm -hmm. earnings per share
1: up? Lower the amount of stock that's out there by purchasing it back.
0: And as you do that, your earnings per available shares increases. So the things for you as a consumer to look at, if you're going to buy any stock, look for corporate stock buybacks, look for dividend increases, decreases, or stoppages, and look at earnings per share as a result of all these things. relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Mm. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's an awkward show for me, uh, as much as it is, is for, I think, for you guys, in that I'm fully addressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, that last one was
1: a little... Uh... You're overly confident, my yeah, friend.
0: Before we started the show off, you said to me, "Do not wear that white T-shirt." I said, "No, I said no. That's not true." I said, "Go put your jacket up." You did say that, and I will. I will admit that was sound friendship advice. I did. I- yeah, I edited that video for like three hours, and I got to tell you, the whole way I'm like, "God damn, I can see my belly rolling." <laughs> but every time I laughed, it was like <laughs> it was yeah. not not a good look. <laughs> so uh, this week you got a Hawaiian shirt, but not because I actually care about what Saeed thinks, but because. We have to go to bed early because we're getting up early to head to San Jose tomorrow to be on the one and only, the internationally known Mind Pump. Mm, so uh, excited. Yeah, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a good trip, except for the fact that uh, to celebrate, afterward, we're going to do what we always do, which is very anti-Mind Pump. We're probably going to get some alcohol and some bad food. Absolutely, because today,
1: as of this recording, it's Arun's birthday.
2: Happy birthday, Arun! Mm. Happy birthday. What are 36 you, 36 now? You. 37. 37. Jesus Christ. Damn, don't up, look a, I'm an old man. Don't look a
1: day over 40. <laughs> like 42. Damn 42? do look a day over 42. 42 yeah, yeah. I feel
2: like you guys are brushing over the fact that we're officially live on YouTube.
1: We are indeed officially live on
0: YouTube. That's, that's right. Although it was very uh, Ant- unsensational liftoff. Anticlimactic. It was a little anticlimactic. I posted the video, I sent it to you guys, and you're like, oh my god! <laughs> we don't got, have any followers. We're on the tube. Yeah. on the tube. <laughs> Alright, well, stop being distracting, Saeed. Wall Street. Is running away from the housing market, but why? I like this one, not really because it's Wall Street, but because it talked about institutional investors, mm-hmm. which have made a huge pivot in recent months. And for those of you who've been following a lot of the rhetoric about the housing market the last couple of years, everybody's been like, oh, God damn it! these institutional investors are propping up the market.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, surprise is coming for you in that article. We'll move on from that over to Powell betting against the recession. Uh, bets against recession look good, apparently. Mm. I read this article and was like, who had the crack pipe while they were writing?
3: Yeah,
1: I don't think so.
0: But I like to give both sides of the story. Uh, and it was a bit of a sarcastic title. And they also said that minus the credit crunch and the D.C. standoff, both of which I think are actually not real. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll dive into why that's all horseshit, because that's what we do on the show is we give you articles that sound cool and then tell you why they suck. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of about the Fed reporting on uh, some pretty interesting stuff. They're, they said that their reports say that they're worried about the conditions ahead for banks. No. Oh, just now? You don't say. <laughs> I thought you said it was safe and sound, and you were working to make sure these things weren't happening again.
1: Jerome Powell is sending me very mixed messages. I swear, it's like they're just not realizing 500 basis points is a big
0: deal. You know, it might be. Yeah. It might be. Maybe they didn't know that basis points were percentages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they, they didn't like, did do the, yeah, maybe like the conversion. Maybe they're like zero 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 one instead yeah. of 0. one, And, you know, it's yeah. confusing. It's maths. and of course we're going to talk a little bit about household spending which i think will be the biggest take home from today's show we we did predict a strong pivot in july i think we're pretty confident with that absolutely and this article seems to suggest that that's that's going to happen but let's kick things off with a little bit of wall street journal uh style reporting from the one and only dog shit fortune
1: can't believe they're not blackballed yet
0: yet fortune forbes not not the greatest news outlets although i will say Fortune is one step above Forbes. Good talking points. That's what they provide. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> you can say that about every person in a room. Come on, man. Even if you hated them. Yeah. All right. So as, as a primer to this article, I was kind of going down the rabbit hole of where institutional money was at in the buying and selling. Mm-hmm. And as I alluded to when we opened the show, that that's what a lot of people thought was propping up the market. Like, oh my God, these institutional buyers, the Black Rocks, the people who are buying single family residences, Instead, whether would traditionally buy apartment complexes or buying single-family homes, right. they were diving into some of these markets like Arizona and they were just buying and buying and buying. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you had big, massive eye buyers like uh, Open Door jumping in and buying them and then reselling them vis-a-vis their platform. Right. And I think a lot of that has pivoted pretty significantly, but I'm going to read a little bit from this article because I think that there are some great talking points, but we should stop after each paragraph and kind of break it down because there's a lot here. Okay. All right, so... It makes sense that the pandemic housing boom saw a flood of institutional home buying. Low interest rates, easy access to capital, soaring rents, and skyrocketing home values were just too good of a deal for Wall Street types like BlackRock and Blackstone and iBuying players like Open Door Technologies to pass on. Of course, that's all over now. Institutional home buyers are pulling back, and they're pulling back fast. Right. So... I'm not a big fan of pulling out or pulling back. No. But if you got to do it sometimes. Just dock. Just stay in the game. Is that what you're a big fan of? You know, Said, I'm not really sure I I, I understand the reference to docking. Could you explain that to I
1: me? Don't, I don't. It's uh, not a technical term that I'd like to get into. But
0: I feel like you, you would be very good <laughs> at, at colloquially explaining this to our our audience here, and no. I know that as you, as a non villain type, right, would never say anything that has a negative content. What is docking? It's not neg- There's nothing negative about that.
1: Then please share. Docking is when you park your ship at the dock, and you just dock your ship, and, and you get off. And is you, that a euphemism yeah. about a euphemism? No, 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 no euphemisms here, zero. But back to your paragraph, Chief. I feel um, like distracting me from. Calling you out is not a good thing. Why is it that uh, some of these institutions had easy access to capital? I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't understand.
0: Well, money was cheap, right? Mm So I think a lot of criticism on the banking sector is like, why do we need banks? Yeah. Because banks are where all the money really comes from at the end of the day. Like these lenders, you know, they have lines of credit from banks. Yes. Uh, institutional investors—they have lines of credit from banks, unless you're like an insurance company where you just have an influx of money coming in. Mm-hmm. And they do also have lending at insurance companies. They usually do like larger kind of conduit style stuff or the bigger, bigger structures. Right. But um, banks provide a lot of liquidity for the market, particularly for middle market, small balance businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the re- where where do banks get their money? They get it from the consumer who deposit with them in their primary lending area. Every place you take in money is your primary lending area. So if you a branch there, primary lending area. Right. You just put out. Money back in that community. You have to make loans in that community because you can't take money from a not so attractive area that could be, you know, very hood or you wow. Know, ghetto.
1: Wow! It and t- put
0: it put it back into a very upscale area that has a lot of high net worth individuals. It's called a community reinvestment. Community, community reinvestment. Look at you! Yeah, dropping the knowledge. Come on, you can explain docking earlier. <laughs> Stop it!
4: You're Go not going to do that
0: now. Go on, be a mature doll here. I just thought with you just. Explaining community reinvestment that this might be a perfect opportunity for you to go back to. That's not the type of community I like to reinvest in. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Docks, ships? No, no. Okay. The
2: the show? Docking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, in fact, according to analysis conducted by John Burns Research and Consulting, institutional investors, those owning over 1,000 homes, bought 90% fewer homes in January and February than they did in the first two months of 2022.
1: Hmm, why would they do that?
0: So, I want to go down a little trip down memory lane here.
1: Okay.
0: We had the pandemic. Was it like kind of late 2019, 2020, somewhere in there? The pandemic? The pandemic, yeah.
1: 2020. Like, so March, right. March 2020.
0: March 2020. Is that what the fishing was declared? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, then the whole time there'd been a slowdown in around 2020 to 2021. And then all that pent up demand. Yes. People were afraid to go out and buy. They were confused about what's going on in the markets. Nobody really knew what was going on. This is unprecedented with the pandemic. Absolutely. There was a boom. And that boom that came out of that was Mm -hmm. everybody had this pent up buying energy. The cost of funds was so low. Everybody had money from stimulus checks. They could pay for a little bit nicer place to rent or they put more money down for down payment on, on on a property first month last month or something like that if they're renting. Right. And it just drove prices up. Mm-hmm. 2021 and 2022 right you saw prices go up about 42 percent in some areas right now let's flash back to about last year probably about this time we started saying that we expected there to be somewhere between the 15 and 20 20 percent mark but i think that sometimes we thought it'd be as high as 25 percent correction in prices could have been right which we said was a correction not a a massive you know, I guess falling off a cliff of home values. Not
1: it. It, can't, it wouldn't be right if if home prices went up forty some percent. Right. Coming down, even if it came down twenty five percent, that's still a
0: correction. And there's a lot of pushback. A lot of people that we talked to were like, "Hey, man, homes in my area, man, they haven't gone down, man, they're going up, bro." <laughs> and then at the same time, you get people in the. But why do you, Why do you say it like that? Why? Because I feel like every time I read one of those messages, that's the voice I hear. I feel like you're trying to insinuate that those people aren't smart. Not at all. When you talk like that. What are you insinuating? I'm, I'm trying, what to, are you insinuating I'm trying exactly? to say that they're insensitive. Oh, to what? That's what an insensitive person sounds like. Hey,
3: man. Hey, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because they're insensitive to the fact that just because homes in your area are not going down doesn't mean that's the trend nationally. That certainly doesn't mean that's where it's at at all places. We know mm-hmm. areas in the West Coast have already had some pretty notable drops in value. Right. We know that there are some areas like New York, which haven't really had the same level of drops. No. You have to take this with a grain of salt based on your location. Or
1: Florida for that matter.
0: Yep. Well, Florida's got some interesting things going on there too. We mm-hmm. can get in that later if you'd like, but yeah. there's a shit ton of high-end luxury multifamily apartment units coming online in Florida. Yep. So I expect their rental market to be pretty pretty heavily impacted. Just not yet.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So now that we've had this conversation and we're here and we've set the expectation that that's what we thought was going to happen, we did say that that was likely to start happening and be visible by July of 2023. Right. Here we are in May. And we got June and July coming up. So April, May, June is Q2. They'll report on Q2 in July. And we're already starting to see the articles like this coming out, which suggest there's already been a significant pivot. Now, a lot of these companies, which are public companies and will report during earnings season in July, will also report this. And that's where you're going to start seeing big media traction. Okay. We're in a recession or... Oh, you know, this is bad and companies aren't doing this and here's the changes. Right. So this is all setting up for that. So what are you going to start hearing? You're going to start hearing this. Okay. Look no further than Invitation Homes, the largest owner of U.S. single-family rental homes, which recently became a net seller. In the first quarter of 2023, Invitation Homes bought 194 homes while it sold off 297. Wow. So effectively, 103 more than they purchased right that might not sound super impactful to most people but what that really tells you is is they're no longer propping up the market they're adding more units to it for sale than they are taking off by buying right adding inventory
1: and i guess what are your thoughts on why they're selling are they selling because they feel like this is the height of the market or that they would like to offload some stuff on their balance sheet and you know get some liquidity
0: so it has to do with, with a Molotov cocktail of problems, the, the most obvious of which is pricing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, pricing for both the purchase of the property and the interest rate, but also for the rental rates. Some of these markets have decreasing rental rates.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Some of these properties are purchased at a really high value. And some of them right now, if you wanted to finance them, you couldn't get long-term finance and they really mean what they want to do. Right. So as they go through their portfolio and try to find cash flowing properties, they're going to start getting rid of the ones that don't necessarily make sense or couldn't achieve the rents they wanted to in the target markets. Or they may just own too much of the market be having rental problems. So do you think that there could be any deals out there for any potential buyers? Not yet, because here's the problem is those those of these companies that are selling, generally speaking, companies will hold property for long term if they can. Right. And the reason why is that property over the next 10 to 15 to 20 years will always be worth more than it is now. Mm Mm-hmm. But these people are cash flow concerned immediately. Right. And if their company's cash flow is being strained or they have issues like they have lines of credit, mm-hmm. let me explain this. For most people who think, oh, I'm going to buy a home, I'm going to get like a 15-year, 30-year mortgage. Yes. I'm going to pay these fixed payments every single month. Well, large companies like the largest buyer of homes in the market, they're not going to get a traditional home loan for this. No. They're getting massive lines of credit. Right. And those lines of credit are index plus margin-based pricing, which means those payments are going up every single month as rates go up especially at a time like this exactly thank you uncle jerome Powell. yeah yeah. Yeah, uncle, yeah uncle jp uncle jp eating into their profitability so as we talked about in previous episodes mm-hmm. there's really only two ways that companies can manage through this crisis okay manage number one you start right. making more money yes that doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a possibility with their portfolios so option number two manage expenses exactly So now these people are managing their expenses down and they're probably finding a way to artificially inflate how much money they're making Mm -hmm. by selling properties off as well and taking that equity back on the balance sheet.
1: Right. And this could also be somewhat of an insight as to what they believe that the Fed is going to do, whether they're going to cut rates anytime soon or hold. Because remember, if their pricing is, you know, index plus margin and that pricing is up, well, guess what? They're not going to be cash flow positive on those properties anytime soon. At least that's not what they're signaling.
0: You waited for me to take a drink. I did. Yeah. So, just, yeah. So, just, yeah just I was like, this guy's going to stop mid drink.
3: <laughs> Son of a bitch.
0: That's dirty pool, man. Yeah. I can't wait till you drink that Red Bull tonight. I'm just going to stop mid sentence and be like, what do you think, Saeed? <laughs> just stop mid-sentence. Bastard. All right. So let's finish off the article here. That's a jarring shift. Just a year earlier, in the first quarter of 2022, Invitation Homes, which Blackstone helped to grow before divesting in 2019, bought 822 single family homes and sold off only 147. Yeah. So they were buying four-ish times, maybe a little more than four times right. what they bought, and they were selling only 147. They are selling, selling almost double. This is not— I, I Actually, n- more than double. I never,
1: I never thought that companies that large would get into the single-family space, so this is kind of scary, man.
0: Well, because it was, it was a great cash flow, cash cow. And so let's actually go to the uh, Arun. Why don't you pull that bad boy up there, that chart? There you go. Sexy time USA. Mm -hmm. This is a chart from Fortune, which I really, really like. So I'll give him credit here. Invitation Homes, largest owner of US single family rentals is no longer on a buying spree. And you can see here on the chart, acquisitions are the light green and the black below that are the sell-offs. And this shows you that they've been pretty much, except for, I want to say Q2 2020, where pandemic, right? Mm Mm-hmm hit they've been a net buyer right they were essentially break even last quarter of 2022 but now they are a net seller and that marks a huge pivot for years the largest buyer of single family homes largest owner of rental homes right was buying and buying and buying and buying way more than they sold mm-hmm. and now they're selling way more than they're buying and i think you see this trend increase over time
1: absolutely i really think this is the one of the biggest signs that you know, corporations are really buying to the fact that they're gonna hold rates now through the end of the year and he's not gonna cut in July, August, or September.
0: And by he I mean the F O M C. Oh yeah. You you wanna you wanna blame Jerome Powell. Oh, I wanna oh,
1: yeah, his face all over it. All <laughs> of all. See, I can't. What? You're doing what did this I do? on purpose tonight, what, did I, bro, I,
0: what did I do? Docking his face all over it. What like, did I do? see what you're I didn't doing do, any do in the window. That's not true. And I'm not, I'm not taking this from you. I, I didn't do that. <laughs> you're not taking what from me, exactly? See, that's why you're, that's why you're a terrible <laughs> human being, okay? I'm over here trying to be innocent. I can't even defend myself yeah, with you. Yeah. Innocent girl next door. It's not because of the interest rate increases for them. Mm. It, surprisingly, the market is not concerned with interest rate increases the same way I think that we are because we're closer to it. Mm-hmm. It's because they believe a recession is looming. Mm. And I think what you're really seeing in the numbers here is an undeniable certainty that these people believe that they should prepare for a recession.
1: Yeah, that or even worse, stagflation, Mm. which that is a segue for later on in the show.
0: Can you define stagflation for me?
1: I can. is when inflation remains high and unemployment takes a sharp decrease and wages just don't come down
0: recessionary inflation mm-hmm.
1: a recessionary inflation yeah good job mm-hmm.
0: god I but feel so we, proud of you at the moment yeah I remember when we started the show we did the little graphs and stuff you didn't have Pe- that
1: people thought that this was gonna change from a uh, financial literacy podcast to what are you guys gonna talk about like pop culture or remember that
0: I do yeah yeah like so you guys are talking about rappers <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no no we're not doing that no. No, no we're gonna talk about you know money and business and stuff yeah mostly stuff uh. all right so the next article from bloomberg powell's bet against recession looks good minus the credit crunch and a dc standoff right so i saw this and the, the the presentation of the article from bloomberg is great mm-hmm. stormy background right jerome powell at a, at a pedestal in front of like the The news conference that he gives the FOMC, of course, the background edited out for the storm, and it just looks ominous and dark. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to spare you the details here. But what I'll say is this article talks about the credit crunch that we're feeling, the pullback. And it goes into a lot of surveys Mm -hmm. for people in the lending space. Oh, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Pullback. Again, this is not a credit crunch. No, no. This this is not a if and if if there will be a
1: credit crunch, we won't know till we won't know till later. Right now what's going on is banks are just holding back
0: until the Fed decides to stop raising rates. Correct. But if the market's perception is already like, Oh my god, these guys are in a credit crunch, wait till you see what happens next, America. Yeah, exactly. It's not gonna be good. And I can explain it very, very simply. Okay, look. Right now, they're saying we're going to put out less dollars, and we're not going to make riskier type of loans. So if you want to consider that part a credit crunch, then okay. Mm -hmm. But banks are going to choose to be strategic with deploying their capital right now because they want to keep as much in their balance sheets as they can in the worst-case event of a run on deposits. And also because any loan they make today is going to be underwater if the Fed continues to increase rates. And we all know the Fed's rhetoric during the last uh, FOMC meeting was, Hey, we're probably closer to the end than we are at the beginning, but we're not really sure we're going to raise they, they rates def- or not. They or... definitely cracked
1: the door open for a pause, but not enough to signal that they will be pausing because they need that sentiment to still be out there. That there should still be fear. Okay, but why?
0: Why are we okay with fear? Oh, Arun, good job. I didn't. I thought you didn't have a paid subscription to Bloomberg. I'm surprised you have access to the uh, to the charts. Look at you. <laughs> what? This is yours. This is yours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What the what the article went on to to reference was there's uh, three things that could happen here was there was a looming credit crunch that Chris just referenced the other is the debt ceiling deadlock in Washington and lastly had to do with you know potential climate concerns later on this year okay, which
0: I didn't even address because it's uh, just, was just like, shit. yeah I'm just like come on we're not to basically get... like it's an El Nino season it could ruin the world and you're like what the fuck a couple storms now yeah. we're, gonna,
1: we're gonna call it. gonna call I mean yeah exactly but. As far as the debt ceiling, I, I, Janet Yellen came out and said if they don't get this thing situated by June 1st, um, there's a pretended real issue.
0: Now we know. Nope, no, nope, no, nope, bullshit. No, BS? No. Nope. What? No, I'm not doing it. Okay, first of all, we're going to talk about those shoes later on. Okay. Uh, with these, I went to work today. I'm wearing Cole Hans. I know, but
1: when, since when do you start wearing Cole Hans at work again? But I mean, sometimes. I feel like your outfit's very casual for Cole Hans. Well, well they're casual Cole Hans. You should be wearing some Travis Scott's. I know, I should be. Which you wore
0: out for your wife's birthday on Cinco de Mayo. I did. And then you strategically avoided me in the same complex. That's not true. was fucking low, bro. That's
1: not true. I told you that we were coming and I wanted you to come join us. No, you said you
0: were going out for dinner. Uh And then when you realized that I was there, like, shit, he's going to see me. I should invite him.
1: That's not true at all. Yeah, you gave you me the Afghan. You always do
0: this, bro. man. You old. You yeah. gave me the Afghan invite. Did you tell me you were going to spectrum before? No, no. Well, you don't live anywhere near the spectrum. Oh uh, yeah,
1: you want to know why? Uh
0: huh. Because? Because you're a hater. No, because it was. You was crush a lot. It,
1: yes, that. But I, as my wife's good husband, what I decided to do uh-huh. is it was her birthday dinner. I made reservations at four different restaurants. And so then,
0: you're the asshole who steals reservations for no reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but I canceled the ones I didn't go to.
0: Five minutes before. No.
1: Earlier that day. No, you didn't. I did. Bullshit. No, not bullshit. And then once she decided she wanted to go to Spectrum, I decided to go to that one. And that's when I let you know.
0: No, you let me know when you were there. Oh, boy. You did, though. That's the truth. Look at, me, look at me in the eyes and tell me that's the truth. Yeah, but I knew I was go- I didn't know I was going to go there until when I told you. When you were already there? No. When we were driving there. I can't text you and drive. So you, you text me when you got into the restaurant after you parked your car. Do we want to
1: talk about betrayal?
0: Yeah, yes, we do. We do because that haircut smells a lot like betrayal. <laughs> this haircut is not betrayal. That you told me to hey, go. Hey, oh, dude. You told me
1: I had fat oh, face and I couldn't pull off long hair. But who told me that? No, man, I'm just I'm just gonna stand by you no matter what.
0: No, I did not say that to you. What Wait, you went? Yeah, I did. And I called him oh, while dude. I was there. Actually, no, you called me while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm not gonna lie though. My haircut was eighty six dollars. What? Yeah, eighty five dollars. Eighty five dollars. I mean, yeah. Oh, he's fucking good. He's good, but no, I know. But <gasps> after it was afterward when like sides like, "How much did you pay for your haircut?" That I said it, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's a lot." Like, goddamn,
4: <laughs> goddamn,
0: yeah, yeah. So it 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 dawned on me, right? Yeah, all right. Let's get back to the article before Saeed takes us off course. No, of no, verdict. but we want to talk. You, you want to talk about Janet Yellen and why it's bullshit? Oh, it is bullshit. So, well, this is all article based. Let's just, let's just tackle it in order, okay? Okay. Number one, the credit the credit crunch. It's not a credit crunch. Mm-hmm. Quantitative tightening pulled liquidity out of the markets. Banks are freaked out. They don't know if they should deploy capital and lose money on higher possible interest rates while the Fed holds, or not. Right? They're going to wait and see what the pivot the, the pivot is by the, the pivot. Fed. The pivot is by the Fed. So no credit crunch yet, but we're going to see one. hundred percent, we're going to see one, mm-hmm. and standards will change. But right now, this is just cash management for banks. Absolutely. So part one of the article, bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. Part two of the article, the debt ceiling.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Saeed. Okay. What's bullshit about Let it? Let me ask you a question, okay? If 78 times... I'm not saying that it's not... They're not nah, going to nah, nah. raise it. That's if not, 78 times you come mm-hmm. over to my house mm-hmm. and I slap you when you get to the front door, okay? <laughs> and the first time I just slapped you you, you, you didn't see it coming. Yeah. Second time you came over, I slapped you and you knew it was going to happen, but you decided to come over anyway. Right. Third time you came over, you got all the way upstairs before I slapped you, but every single time you've been there, you've been slapped. Right. And then you come over in the 79th time. A, lot, a reasonable
1: person would assume that I'd get slapped. I'm going to slap the shit out of you. Front hand or backhand? Yeah, whichever one. You get to pick. Yeah. But you're going to get slapped. It's going to happen. It, they, they will raise it. But here's the thing. So they're going to have to raise it well before June 1st. Because... Well, because the Fed's causing that, yes. Well, not only because it's the Fed's causing it. The house is out on vacay. On on, on what Chris likes to call holiday. On holiday? Yeah. It's lovely, yo. The house is out between May 29th and June 5th. The Senate is out between May 22nd and May 29th. So, this is going to have to get passed both. So, therefore, it's going to happen within the first two
0: weeks. Or, so
1: they're on a time crunch.
0: Or, what they're going to do, and the, the God, politicians are notorious for this. It's mm. messed up. It's some dirty shit like you would do. What, me? <laughs> yeah, you.
1: Okay. Let's the hear it. villain,
0: right? The, I'm the villain. Okay, let's just say you're a politician, hypothetically speaking. I mean, it was a political science major. And we can't trust anything you say. Right. Political science major. <laughs> And you say, you know what, I want burritos from the other side. And they say, no, 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 you get tacos. Yeah. No, assholes, I want burritos. Listen, no, you get tacos, or we'll have like a burrito day or whatever, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And you say, no, 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 I want burritos. And they go, no, 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 we got to vote. Come on, we got to go on vacation. You go. And I guess we're not going on vacation then. And you make them stay through the vacation period and get all cranky and pissed off. What a dick so they move. ultimately give you burritos. Just give them burritos. That's basically, in a nutshell, how how the government works. They need to stuff their burritos. See again. Maybe I should use non like, phallic shaped food for you, bro. What's wrong with you? A lot's wrong with me. Yeah, psychologically, anyway. I could tell. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm very traumatized by <laughs> being your friend. So yeah, I, I don't see the. I don't see anything here that's of newsworthiness. To be honest with you, like every single time this has come up and it's been a lot in my adult life okay the debt ceiling has been like this big because because you know why
1: and and here maybe what's a value is why do we know that they will other than the fact that they've done it 78 times because the risk of them not doing it is so
0: large right they would all be out of jobs and not getting paid that's how you know they're not going to do
1: it yeah they would probably they definitely probably lose their salaries which isn't a whole lot which i don't know how nancy Pelosi gets
0: as much money as she does, it's called insider trading. Yeah. Oh, that's Paul. What... Paul Pelosi takes care of that.
1: Oh, Paul. That's yeah. that's Paul's field. I yeah.
0: Paul. It. Paul. Uh, Paul. It's not just her though. Might be a club Fed member one day.
1: <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. You know, I Tell mean,
0: he did get his DUI taken out of, out of office record and totally right. eviscerated because Nancy made a phone call.
1: Right, but if the U.S. wasn't able to pay its own debts, they would be at at risk of losing the U.S. I mean, the the you know.
0: Worldwide reserve currency. Pelosi is the highest-paid member of Congress, with a congressional salary of two hundred twenty-three thousand five hundred dollars per year. But her other financial interests and speaking engagements bring in more than one million dollars per year. Mm. You know, oh. uh, I feel like I could do some speaking engagements.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, $1 million
0: dollars a year, damn.
1: So and so the reason the reason why is just. The risks outweigh or just outweigh everything. They could never they could never afford it, right? Like I said, right now, the U.S. dollar is the world reserve currency. Most commodities around the world are priced in U.S. dollars. For, for instance, oil is one of them, even though, I don't know, you heard what China did. They made a deal with Russia? I mean, no,
0: not only Russia. They just struck their first deal with France. Yeah. Everyone's going to pivot, man. Uh, it's, it doesn't come as a surprise. Mm-hmm. As we're all doing this whole political disruption thing we've had, going back several presidencies now, mm. and, and frankly, politics has gotten has become a form of extremism in the United States. Mm. You can't win as a politician unless you're on one side now, of extremism.
1: Now, look, it's also it is it's it is inevitable. At some point in the future, U.S. dollar will have to be dethroned. I knew you were an American. I'm just saying it's it's happened before. U.S. dollar has not always been the world reserve currency. It, has, it, hasn't, it hasn't always been the case. So, someday it will happen. Just
0: right now, there isn't a better alternative. Can we go through a hypothetical here? Let, let's go through a little hypothetical. Let, let's just go down, like, Fantasyland lane. I love Fantasyland lane. But don't be a pervert, okay? Why does the U.S. have to be a superpower? Why does it have to be a superpower? Yeah. Why, why, does US, why does the United States need to feel... We spend more than anybody else by far on their military? their on military, right? Mm-hmm. Right, we want to be the world's super superpower. One point seven trillion dollars a year. Look at you! We
1: covered that in a previous show. It's stuck. Yeah, that's that's the creatine. Is it? Yeah.
0: But if I get, if I jump off the creatine, it's game over. I do get a little fuzzy whenever I stop. Yeah, I've noticed it. Not shaving because I'm not fuzzy anymore. But <laughs> just when I stop the creatine, we can tell. Yeah, actually, I'm getting hair growth again, man. and The testosterone's kicking in.
3: I mm.
1: think when you sit next to someone with so much testosterone, it just transfers over. You missed your testosterone shot this week, and I gave you some.
0: No, I got it the next morning. I feel like I was growing boobies by like the next morning at eight a.m. <laughs> I was like, "Money, is it? Is it? Is it obvious?" <laughs> that was the first time I ever like waited to get a shot. It was very weird. I, yeah. I've always got them routinely on time. Um, so, why do they need to feel like they're a superpower? You said no, no. I, I'm trying to figure out a, a good way to. All right, so let's look at other countries. Let's let's try to be worldly for a minute. Mm. Uh, the UAE. Okay. They don't spend anywhere near as much as we do in the military. No. They are not the main currency of the world. No. They appear to be thriving. It's, they're doing all right. They're doing all right. Um, we can say Europe as a whole, but let's just go country by country. Mm. France. Mm. Not the world superpower. mm They seem to be doing all right. I've been to France. I've been to Paris lots of times. Let me tell you. Doesn't seem like a bad place to be.
1: I wouldn't. I really... I, I don't know enough about them to talk about them. I don't know enough about... Is about...
0: because you do not respect the French. No, it's just... is that what you're saying?
1: No, this time is limited, man. I got two kids.
0: Uh, time is limited, but so is life. Huh?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So you will die one day, not knowing.
1: <laughs> you do that too well. You can't. You can't tell me you don't sit at home and just practice this.
0: I do all the time, yeah. Yeah, I sit in front of the mirror and talk to myself with a different accent. I know you do. Yeah, a lot of Russell Brand. Do you really? <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't be as hyper as he can. <laughs> I, I always think I can do a good Russell Brand impression until I hear my like Rogan and he just goes nonstop. Bro, he sounds like
1: he's he's taking that limitless pill like a hundred times over. He's I don't, I don't understand. He is
0: smart, but he just rants. Yeah. How? I, well, he has a podcast which is really, really well regarded. Yeah, I know. Does pretty well. It's I can't like listen to him though. You like need to slow, s- he's the only guy I know on a podcast. You actually have to slow the podcast down to get what he's saying.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Everybody else should like speed it up. Right. <laughs> You know, um, but you go around the world, you look at all these countries, Germany, Mm -hmm. Switzerland, uh, you you even go to some of the countries that people perceive to be, you know, third world countries, India, Mm -hmm. not a third world country, really, in my mind anymore. You go to China, you go to Russia, you go to all these countries, Mm -hmm. even fucking Bali seems to be thriving. Okay. Right. So I look at all these countries and I go, yeah, they have a lot of poverty, but so do we go to Santa Monica, man, go to the beach, see how many homeless people are there. How many people do you know in, in in San Francisco that are living in like SUVs? I mean, come on, man. This, you can't you don't
1: don't compare some of those countries. I mean, being okay, homeless, my, being my homeless, is, being homeless here is a little bit different.
0: Is it though, or is that just arrogance based on where we're situated? Come on, man. No, it's it's different. What do you, why is it different? You think this system cares more about people that are homeless than than another system?
1: No, but the people may people may have more access to to help one another out.
0: I I don't know, man. I I I think the U.S. has got and Look, I love this country. It's given me a million and one opportunities. I'm very proud to be here. But what I will say is mm. is I think that the country's ego is tied into that we have to be on top. We have to be a superpower. We have to be the controlling entity. But look at China and Russia. They clearly don't give a shit right, about us being number one or in the way. Right. I mean, it's known China's spying on us all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, and, pretty, I'm pretty sure every country knows that they're spying on each other. Yeah. So what are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. Why do we need to be the the world's currency? Mm. Um,
4: I feel like it makes things a whole hell of a lot easier. How so?
1: Hmm. I'm being, being the, the world, people trade more in in your dollar. So there's more demand for your dollar, right?
0: Your dollar can go a lot further that way. If, if not. Okay. I mean, at some points, yes. At some points, no. I mean, there, Going back to the 80s, 70s and 80s, U.S. dollar wasn't very strong in Europe, but we were still the currency. Mm. So it isn't always that way. I think if we just perceive it to be that way.
4: All right. Okay. <laughs> you look very I feel untrustworthy. Like I, feel, I, feel like, I
1: feel like we're talking out of our league at this point. What do you mean? I don't know. How so? I, I feel like it, I feel so like we're like, be, we're I, only a lot of talk about like, the United I, States' financials. No, I feel like I feel like there would be a lot more complications than we're making it seem right now. If, if, if I'm the U.S. Sure dollar would be, if the U.S. dollar was not the world reserve currency, I, I don't know that it. Well, we gotta we gotta really do a deep dive on this. Well, Arun's already pulled it up here. So what do we got here, Chief? What are the advantages of being the nation that has the reserve currency? Here we go. All right, lower borrowing costs. Big
0: more. deal. Not not a big deal huge <laughs> not a big deal lower borrowing i'm costs? sorry our own fucking fomc is raising our borrowing costs on us right now and we're worried about the you the world doing it yeah yeah exactly uh lower borrowing costs increase
1: economic power and influence big deal but i'll tell you what the one thing that that the u.s has done repeatedly it's not just under this administration but every administration they've weaponized the, the u.s dollar they put sanctions on other countries they'll freeze they'll freeze the um their currency their US dollars like right now the US has froze Russia's currency US dollars yeah but so it's like you, can't, access- you can't you can't web- I, I get I get why they have to do it and we're not going to get political but it's when you start to weaponize it people are going to look for alternative
0: routes to so you're kind of doing this to yourself okay let's get theoretical Arun, while we're doing this can you in the background look up um stage 1 uh Think stage one, uh, stage two, and stage three uh, cultures, right? Or civilizations, I apologize. Stage one, civilization, stage two, and stage three, civilizations. I'll explain in a minute. But look at the rest of this list. Increased demand for U.S. goods and services. U.S. dollar's status as the world's reserve currency means that it is widely used in international trade, which can increase the demand for U.S. goods and services. It can, but we've seen decreasing demand for U.S. goods and services for the last several decades. Mm-hmm. Not years. Decades. Right. As more stuff has been done in China, more stuff has been done in India and other countries where the cost of labor has Mm -hmm. gone down. Now, we are seeing a bit of a resurgence in in recent years to the US. That's why a lot of the tax credits and benefits benefit that way. Right. So, oh, I didn't realize there was a name for this. The the, whatever scale Mm -hmm. that is. I didn't realize there was also a type four and type five. The the Kardashev scale. I thought it said Kardashian at first. I was like, I want to read it.
2: (laughs) Also, this article is a random article written by Lou Paselli on linkedin so it's not um a news source or news well news.
0: we rely on you to pull up uh, you know good authentic information so thank you for that i, mean, yeah, I do it but can. it's not wrong it's, it's good stuff so the last one is the reduced exchange rate my point is look at all this stuff here mm-hmm. this is somebody who's putting out an article first of all he's a commercial real estate portfolio manager so i don't know how this mm-hmm. qualifies him but nonetheless even this person who did think,
1: it who put out an article mm-hmm. it's it's also nice to know that the world reserve currency is something that you know our our government officials, even though they're they're not the best at
0: managing, it's still within our control versus somebody else's control. OK, so let me get to the the broader hypothetical. I know that people think that there's a stigma to us not being the top currency. I get that. All I'm saying is the ramifications of it are not as bad as people think. Hmm. And I think there is a world where we can live in where we're not the top dog from a currency perspective. I mean, we don't know. Where the world doesn't completely crumble.
1: We also don't know what that's like because we haven't lived through that.
0: No. No,
1: we haven't. Yeah, because Odin, look that up too, please, if you have a second. Um, How long has the U.S. dollar been the world reserve currency? Oh, he's going deep before the. the I think it's before the 1900s.
0: Grants to the world reserve currency from 1720 to
1: 1815. Oh, United States from 1921 to present day. Okay. So okay. So yeah, not that long, surprisingly. Not that long, but damn! If we're gonna fumble the bag over after a hundred
0: years, geez. What happens when you carry too much uh, debt, bro? Not too much debt. Yeah, hell yeah, too much debt. What do you mean? This is what happens. All right. So, type one civilization, okay, which I don't think we're even at yet. If I if I recall the context of, of this this article and, and the scale, but basically, the suggestion was that you become a world civilization. Mm. Right now we're so consumed. With us being different countries and our differences. Yes. That we're not looking at the broader picture. Mm -hmm. And the broader picture is all these countries, these national these landmarks that we think are unique. Okay. That's the system that we have. Okay, fine. That's China, that's Russia. We're all humans, bro. Right. And yet we have these weird systems of capitalism or socialism or communism. We have different ways of living and different languages. At some point, this all boils down to a single language. Type 1 civilization. A civilization close to the level presently attained on Earth with energy consumption at whatever, blah, blah, blah. A type 1 civilization is usually defined as, as one that can harness the energy that reaches its home planet from a particular star, from Earth, basically. So what they're basically saying is you can travel at a certain pace. This is not necessarily the entire scale, but the scale basically suggests that When you have nuclear power Mm -hmm. and you are all combined world working on the same page, one language, all combined and mashed together. Right. We're not there yet. No. Think of like a type two civilization as like star chasing, like star, uh, not Star Wars, but Star Trek. You're you're going out, you're discovering different countries, you're traveling. Wow. There are different worlds and you're you're, you're going out and doing your thing, right? Okay. But you do that as one civilization. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're a type 1 civilization that's now looking, in, and you're now going interplanetary. Okay. A type 3 civilization is, think of like Star Wars, where you've mapped out the universe, you're traveling all over the place, you're doing all these things, you're going through wormholes. Okay. Right? It really comes down to modus of, modes of travel and knowledge. Okay. we are so stuck in these rudimentary, stupid-ass ideas of dominance mm-hmm. that we as countries don't truly collaborate with one another. Right. And we we can't get to a single language, and we can't get to, to this uniform scale because we're so busy fighting one another. I look at stuff like we're seeing with China and Russia and destabilizing currency, and I think to myself, mm, meh. Just
1: separating us even further.
0: It just separates us even further. Right. We want to control one another by use of currency. Mm-hmm. That's where the next wars are fought. They're really fought over things like this, destabilizing countries with cyber attacks in monetary policy like weapons yeah and i don't care how big your army is right you're not going to be firing drones and nuclear weapons at one another and if you do guess what you know you don't know who wins world war three but it doesn't really matter at that point because world war four four is probably fought with sticks and stones again oh yeah so uh, you know anyway little off the uh, inflation conversation, but I guess my point to say is that we talk about all these things so much and we hypersensitize some of the things that we're talking about. In the grand scheme of life, though, Mm -hmm. just be smart. (laughs) Just be smart. Just be smart. Don't put out stupid-ass articles that talk about the credit crunch Mm -hmm. and the weather and a (laughs) DC standoff are going to stop a recession from happening. No. The recession was going to happen regardless of this. The recession's been in, in, in... in this path for god knows how long the article that uh, from the same bloomberg article that arun just pulled up when banks tighten standards a credit squeeze follows yes
3: mm-hmm.
0: yes except there's one problem here banks haven't really truly tightened standards yet they're going to that's the next phase of what we're seeing here right. and yes typically a recessionary economy follows right Okay. The, the next chart bank failure leaves investors wondering who's next change in share price uh, since end of 2022 they they compare PacWest, Western Alliance, and First Horizon Corp. Yeah, that's what happens in recessions. You worry about what happens next. And yes, right. this is the banking sector still, but it's the next the next sector that's going to be a problem or it's challenging. And this is my favorite one uh, of the of the charts that everyone's brought up here. Market sees a bigger risk of U.S. default this time. I really like this one. Uh, this is one of those opinion ones. So, I mean, take a grain of salt. The data looks all technical, but it's really an opinion. So, in 2011, the debt ceiling crisis led to S and P downgrade of U.S. sovereign debt. Right, right. this is just before 2012. Mm-hmm. 2013 debt ceiling crisis led to partial government shutdown somewhere between 2014, and 2016, somewhere in there. But you see the spikes. Yes. Now, look at how high Jesus almost done. we are compared to where we've been since 2010. I think it's the highest we've ever been.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And and you can pretty much guarantee we're going to have. The threat of a government shutdown and all the stigma language there. But you got to have a recession to fix where we're at right now. I Unfor- know that sounds un- bad. Unfortunately,
1: yeah. Unfortunately, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to happen. And some of the, some of the reports that, that recently came out that um, are, are basically not helping the Fed's initiative to avoid a recession. So the April jobs report that came out, I don't think we
0: touched on. 3.4% um, baby Unemployment Let's go Wrong way Yeah That's that's the unemployment number Saying Hey Fed We see you're watching us And fuck you very much Yeah So 253,000 jobs were added
1: The expectations were, Was only 180,000 That was a surprise increase But something that was worth noting The last two months There were revisions There were revisions To the jobs report So in March They initially came out 236,000 jobs were added that got revised down to one hundred sixty five thousand in February. It said they had three hundred twenty six thousand jobs added. that got revised down to two hundred forty eight thousand. See what <laughs> So the way these revisions work is at the time when they're gathering the data, not everyone submits the data at the same time, right? So these things are bound to happen, and this is just they're required to assume and estimate where it's going to go, and then they they revise it back down. But it's still not headed in the right. Direction because there's one big part of the report that is glaring. So the average hourly earnings that actually ticked up for the first time after several months. Mm. And it's up to now 4.4% year over year. So if average hourly earning is up 4.4% and we know inflation is at 5%, it's still okay because it's below the inflation numbers. So inflation will still come down. But when inflation and now that those numbers are in line with one another.
0: That's when it starts to get sticky. And therein lies uh kind of the bigger problem that I think the Fed is really afraid of. Yes. That's what they're seeing. That's the writing on the wall that they see. And I would point out we did call that at one point in time. We, we did, did we did call that as as inflation starts to come down, mm-hmm. it gets gonna get stickier and stickier and harder and harder to move.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The part that I didn't see coming and I'm still somewhat perplexed by, and we've talked about it on a couple different shows now. Yeah is I don't think that something is wrong with our calculation of jobs. Yes. I I don't see the, and maybe because I'm not looking for a job, maybe that's Mm. just it, but I don't see the job strength out there. Right. So obviously, and this is close to home, but we had reductions in force at our company. And I stayed close to people to try to figure out, you know, where they were going or what they look like. And I, you know, I try to keep tabs and I care. Like, it's not like, you know, people are gone. And, it's not been as easy as 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 the jobs report suggests getting a job is for some people. Absolutely. And maybe yeah. it's because of their sector expertise and maybe mm-hmm. that sector is getting impacted in finance and banking. But right. I look at I look at all these alleged jobs that are out there and the strength of these numbers. And again, five percent is probably a healthy number for mm-hmm. uh for the economy, and three point four percent showed showed a spike. I it was like three point five percent last last time.
1: Last time now it's down to three point four percent. So it's
0: not a huge move, but it's clearly
1: stickier. The stick is going, it's going in the opposite direction, which ultimately makes the Fed feel like, okay, look, if, if unemployment was going the other way, then they would give them more reason to maybe slow down or pause, right? They feel like it gives them more room to operate. So uh, Dion Rubin over at the Wall Street Journal did a nice breakdown of what's been going on here. And he did a deep dive on the U.S. NFIB Small Business Optimism Index. That's the National Federation of Independent Businesses. And there's declining sentiment, and has been as low for quite some time—fifteen straight months below the 49-year average. Small businesses have done all the net hiring since the pandemic. Then, when you take a deep dive into some of the layoffs, small businesses experienced a 72% of increase in layoffs, where companies uh, with one to nine workers. Firms with over 500 workers had a zero percent increase from February to March. Mm. So now we're starting to see small businesses. Lay off their employees, the trouble's right around the corner now. Expense management, baby. It yeah. wasn't
0: just unique to the publicly traded companies. Mm-hmm. It's to the small business. It's to everybody at this point in time. And that's why I look at these numbers and I'm thinking to myself, okay, there has to be a six-month lag here because I, I truly believe if you go back six months from now,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you're in November of last year. That's when the real layoffs, I think, started to become very visible. Right. It was October, November of last year. Yes. So I'm thinking now and possibly in June, that's when we should start seeing some pretty significant pivots in the unemployment numbers. But I don't get the numbers that are coming out. And well, I, we, we do this twice a week, every single week. We talk about money, finance, and, and, and financial literacy. And I got to right. tell you, I look at this number, and this is the one that leaves me scratching my head the most. Because I not only do I know the emphasis by the Fed on this as being mm. part of their, like, hey, we're, we're making the impact we want to make on, on inflation. Right. This is a huge part of that. I don't understand why it's not going up. Right. And we know that the Fed has been trying to tackle wages this entire time,
1: so for the average hourly wage earnings to go up, that's a, that's a problem that the Fed has been trying to address. So the other thing that I thought was worth noting with in addition to the small businesses now experiencing layoffs, is small businesses are just as reliant, if not more reliant, on banks' lending. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they need percent they, they need yeah. those lines of credits to keep their, their company afloat for working capital. Right? Yep. And so right now, we, we said, this isn't a credit crunch right now. Right? It's We're turning just, into that it's it's soon. Turn, but soon. That's around the yeah. corner. Then what's going to happen to those small businesses?
0: Right? Oh, I know exactly what happens to those small businesses. Businesses. My enunciation tonight, not so good. What? Curtains? <laughs> they they wind up having a real difficult time doing things like meeting payroll. They have yeah. a real difficult time keeping up. And for And for people that don't know, small businesses
1: account for approximately... of the U.S. economy. Mm -hmm.
0: And and a great example of this, and I think one that's largely ignored every single day, for those of you who live in an urban area and you drive to work, even though some of of you don't, look at the buildings you pass by. Right. Look at the names on there. Most of the marquees you see are small businesses, mid-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. They're not Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and and all these big names. You might enter a financial district where it's all like banks. Right. Or you might enter uh, an industrial ag area where it's all larger companies. But for the most part, as you drive you know, to your work or to, to social events, there are hundreds, if not a thousand companies So in so, that area that you can see
1: all of their names on the top of buildings. So we know that you know, currently right now banks are going through it, right? And they're, they're pulling back and they're waiting to see what happens. I mean, explain to people how some of these small businesses utilize you know, their community banks to
0: scale their businesses. Well, I think a lot of people get confused that they think that, that the small businesses are going there because of the better service. People know who you are. That, that's a, certainly a part of it, right? but that isn't the reason. Large big box banks, Chase, Wells, B of A, everybody who's referred to as the globally systematic important banks, the GSIBs, they have, because of scales of economy, right, they, they have to get loans through their system in an efficient manner. So they have to identify exactly what it is that they want. So they literally draw a picture on their policy and procedure and their underwriting guidelines of, this is the type of credit that we want and it's mm-hmm. gotta meet this criteria. Right. And if you don't, they don't have the time or the resources to try to work with you to try to pivot and try to make things work.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All they can say to you is, hey, you don't meet our criteria, maybe try this loan, maybe try this group, maybe possibly a different department. But it's not a let's work with you and try to find a solution in most cases. Now, if you got a lot of money and you're in one of their private banking groups, you might get a little bit of that. Right. But for most of you, it's just like when you applied for a home loan. You either qualified or you didn't. Yeah. They may have given you a couple options, which may help you qualify, that'll fit you into their parameters, Mm -hmm. and that may or may not have worked for you. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that that's a a shitty situation for any small business to be in, because the last thing you want to do is be told, hey, you know what? We can't really do anything for you. You don't meet our criteria. Right. Or in some cases, we find your current credit position to be too risky. We want you out. Right. And big box banks don't hesitate to do that. Yeah. So they'll manage out credits, and so do so do community banks on some level. So it's not just unique to them. Do you see a world though where like a lot of these businesses have lines
1: of credit that they can tap into in a in a case where maybe they need to cover some of their some of their debts or some of their payments? And those lines of credit aren't you know forever renewed.
0: They they come up for renewal. Typically, one year or two years. Every one or two yeah. years. So let's say. And You yes. also have covenants, so you have promise. Covenants are effectively a legal term for promises. Yes. Negative coven- covenants are promises not to do something. Yes. And covenants are promises to do something. Yes. So if I have a covenant that I have to do X, I'm going to have to do that. It's my affirmative promise to do that. Right. If I have a covenant which says I I cannot do X, it's my negative covenant that I will not do
1: this. Right. There's a there's a pretty common covenant for businesses that carry lines of credit that require them to. Bring that balance down to zero for approximately 30 days.
0: Known right? as a 30-day out-of-debt provision. 30-day
1: yes. out-of-debt provision. Now, you can, you can see where this could be a potential issue if the economy starts to go down.
0: So, a little bit of explanation as to why a 30 day debt provision is a thing. Yeah. If your loan is not secured by collateral, right. something that the bank could liquidate, right? right, and your line of credit is for something known as, very commonly in the industry, as working capital yes right you have a line of credit for working capital because you need this in order to maintain your business let's say you're a company and you get paid typically on average 30 to 60 days
3: mm-hmm.
0: after you render your services right you need a working capital line to bridge you for those 30 to 60 days right let's say you're in a seasonal business like you're a holiday decorating company and so so shockingly some of those companies make a ton of money during the holidays right thanksgiving christmas halloween right. you name it Right, right, but it's very seasonal. It's very lumpy. So maybe they have a lot of business, and they need like a working line of capital to keep them afloat during the weather months, and then they repay it all back. Mm-hmm. The idea of a working line of capital is that you can repay it down to zero because you only need it for those seasonal periods or for that that bridge, that arbitrage, if you will. Yeah. Now there are other lines of credit that are secured by accounts receivable and things like that. There's also things like UCC filings. Think of
1: they're very hard to collect for a bank if they ever do have to shut down. Right.
0: They're very well because keep in mind too. So Accounts receivable as a, as a credit or as a collateral for a loan
3: mm-hmm.
0: is somebody owes your company money.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If your company's going out of business, there's going to be less people who owe your company money. Right. And you have to convince the other company that you are now in the position of the person that they owe the money to and to pay you. Right. So there's a lot of logistics there, which are not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. But in theory, a 30-day out-of-debt provision basically says that you as a company, you've got a loan and you have a covenant which says you will pay down the loan for 30 consecutive days for every one year.
1: Right. Picture think think of it as your credit card. You get to run a balance all year long. And then mm-hmm. for one of the twelve months, you have to have a zero balance for thirty days straight.
0: Yeah. And it isn't necessarily the month of June. It could be, you no. know, 15th of May through the 15th of June. But for 30 consecutive days, you need to be able to pay it down to zero. Right. Now there are all sorts of creative ways entrepreneurs can do this. And this is why having a relationship with a banker is key and the banker being connected to it. But in a cycle like this, where they're strained, mm-hmm. let's say you're in a business like the one we just gave, right? You do holiday decorations. Okay. Let's say for the last 14 years, you've crushed it. Yeah. Every Christmas and holiday season that comes around, you make a ton of money, you pay down your line for 30 to consecutive days and your line of credit's great and you use it the rest of the year. Well, mm-hmm. Let's say this year, consumer discretionary spending pulls back. Let's say these large retail centers or these large institutions that you used to do it for, mm-hmm. they say, hey, we're making
1: less money now. Which we actually see right now is going on. The outlook for household spending slumped in April, the
0: New York Fed survey showed. From CNBC, yes, sir. Look at you quoting articles on your own. I'm so proud of you. Gangay, growing up, (laughs) yeah, exactly that. So, and let's say you're on the receiving end of that as a company. So now you're a middle market company. You're funded by consumers, and in order for you to spend the extra money to decorate things during the holidays, Mm -hmm. you got to have the same amount of money you were making. So now you're as a middle market company say, okay, hey, I got to manage my business. I've got it. I can't make more money right now. Right. I've got to manage my expenses. We've been harping on for the last several shows now. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You spend a little bit less money on the holiday stuff. Right. Well, one middle market company does that, fine. But now you, as a person who runs these decorations as your primary business, right. are not making a whole lot less money. Yes. So now you've got to lay off customers. You're not doing as many jobs. And the question is, can you rest or put that 30-day-out-of-debt provision? Can you pay that line of credit down for 30 consecutive days? And maybe you can't.
1: Right. And right now, it's it's looking like more and more that this is going to be a big challenge for people. So Dion Rubin from the Wall, uh, the Wall Street Journal went on to break down. He compared three different uh, indexes. So the QQQ NASDAQ 100 ETF, so far this year, year to date, has returned 20%. Those are your, your big corporations, Meta, Amazon, uh, Alphabet, Apple, all them.
0: And I would say that the majority of them that you just na- named managed to do that after ma- aggressively managing expenses down.
1: Knowing that earnings season was right around the corner. Yes. And they wanted to make sure they reported you know,
0: some profits.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, next, when you compare that to the S&P 500 index, that has returned so far 7% year to date. And then lastly, he compared those two to the Russell 2000 index. This is the smaller tied that's tied more over to the overall health of the U.S. economy. Year to date, a 0% return. Yeah. So, um, I mean, harder for smaller businesses to manage expenses. This isn't, you know, meta where you can just slash 22,000 employees and be like, oh, we met, we're able to manage some
0: expenses. Yeah, and you, so here's the thing with, with the stock market too that I think a lot of people really get lost in is you look at value and you think to yourself, okay, well, this company is worth $10 a share, $20 a share, whatever. Right. And there are things that companies can do to artificially inflate that number. Right. Stock buybacks are a great example. So one of the articles you had, right corporate stock uh, buybacks help keep markets afloat right this is
1: something that we know that the the big corporations are not only have they started to do but they're going to continue to do definitely to now that they've successfully managed earnings for q1 best believe that they'll be doing this for q2
0: so from the wall street journal repurchasing uh, repurchases among s&p 500 companies are projected to top one trillion dollars this year so let's think this through logically. If you're a top S&P 500 company, right? Yes. And you expect there's a possibility that consumer discretionary spending will pull back and there'll be sector impacts on your company. Right. How do you ensure that you keep your value up? Your mm-hmm. earnings per share up. Yeah, you lower the lower
1: the amount of stock that's out there by purchasing it back.
0: And as you do that, your earnings per available shares increases. Go up. They go up. You're, you can expect to see a lot of this for companies that are cash flow positive and manage expenses down well. Mm-hmm. Other companies may not be able to do this because of regulatory limits. Right. Right. Or because they're just not making as much money as they once did. So the things for you as a consumer to look at, if you're going to buy any stock, look for corporate stock buybacks. Look for dividend increases, decreases, or stoppages. Yes. And look at earnings per share as a result of all these things. Look at retained earnings. Look at the numbers that come from the income statement. Mm-hmm. Look at the company's balance sheet. Because you can't just take their stock price in and of itself in a vacuum. You have to really know these companies. And that's why whenever people tell me that they want to day trade or they want earn something for a short term, I'm like, okay, if you think there's something sensational coming about, great. Good for you. That's gambling.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's what it is. Essentially,
0: okay? right. And I'm not saying that gambling's bad. You can play roulette and have better odds than than the house in some cases if you play with a disciplined style. Right. You can do really well with blackjack if you play with a disciplined style, or you can count cards or you have some skill set. Yes. But me, I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm not that talented. So what do I do? That's I play true. the long if you, game.
1: If you if you if you wanted to look into this. And and learn it, you can. I mean Who has that kind of time though? Exactly. We all
0: got jobs, we all got things companies are running, things we're doing, right? Families, podcasts. Invest invest podcasts that yeah. desperately
1: need five star ratings. I mean, god damn it, man. I mean, our Apple podcast listeners,
0: where y'all at? I mean, seriously? Spotify out here we got one Spotify review mm-hmm. and ten thousand people listen to the damn episode. God damn. One review. Unless there's nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine reviews, yeah, okay, and the one guy was like, "Oh shit, I'll leave a review." Yeah, the rest of y'all are assholes, don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, don't be that. I'm trying don't to help you, minus the hundred and twelve of you who did leave a review. Thank you very much. We love you. You were very special.
1: Right now, grab grab your family member's phone and leave us a five
2: star review. Yeah, all of them. And go to YouTube and.
0: Oh yeah, go to YouTube.
1: Yeah, it's... he's
2: really gonna pimp that YouTube. Yeah,
1: hey, he should. Oh yeah. Yeah, new Doug.
2: Yeah. Dude, we've been live on YouTube for what? Eight hours. We got 11 subscribers. Has it
0: been eight hours? It was about eight hours. Well, I mean, I appreciate you guys reposting that, Saeed. I did. Did you? Asshole. Oh, I guess you're, I guess you're still on mute from last time I muted your story. You muted me? Yeah, you had a party. You didn't invite me. Wow. I did invite you. No, you
2: did get invited. I, no, I know. I know.
0: But I specifically said that I wouldn't come So that's if no you chose s- somebody over me, and you chose somebody over me. I didn't.
2: Sorry, you're cho- coming on June 10th?
0: No. Okay. Uh, are you choosing somebody over me again? Go ahead uh, and go on mute. Ah. Jeez, man. my friendship comes at a cost yeah i can tell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, you made that very clear <laughs> but i bring lunch so it's fine <laughs> so it's all good no you didn't yeah i know no, i bought didn't. my wife thank you joanna dinner yeah wonderful yes. dinner yes. healthy dinner it was delicious oh
1: Hel- it was pretty good right healthy healthy yeah. dinner we've had in quite some time uh
0: probably here here because we've had studio yeah We've really had dinner here. We just eat. We, did, the, we did, did that. that we did that. Oh, that chicken, uh, that chicken sandwich. Yeah, that place. was that was not that was not healthy. I mean, uh, I can, we were I going down a my dark path. Yeah, between the we're alcohol like... and the chicken, the fried chicken that we were eating, it, it was just like we've a, been so good. Fast track and not tapping in. You know, is it weird that Jamie Foxx's is camp and nobody has talked about what's going on with that dude? I don't. I mean, it must be pretty damn serious, dude. He's still in the hospital. He's still running. T- I mean, it's stroke, right?
1: I hope not, man. Jamie Foxx, one of the most talented. People alive. Incredibly fucking talented. No, like, like literally one of the most talented people alive. Like top five.
4: Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's he's damn good, man. Damn good. Comedian, um, actor, singer, really good singer. hmm Right? I mean. You know he's got to be an athlete to play Tyson. Yeah. In damn good shape. Yeah. At that age. Yeah. It's true. Mm. I would hope it's not a stroke.
1: But Why would you keep them sitting in the hospital that long for a stroke? Wouldn't they know? Might, might be. I hope it's not. Pray, yeah. Prayers out to him and his family. If you're listening to the show, someone in Jamie Foxx's family. Yeah, tell me, love him. Just and we're welcoming him on the show as soon as he gets out.
0: Incredibly talented. I mean, he
1: has time. He's got time for us.
0: Actually, we were supposed to interview somebody that from that movie. A little foreshadow right there. In the weeks to come. Yeah. So let, let's uh, let's drive a little teaser action here. <laughs> somebody working on that movie is supposed to come in uh, when she releases her book. And uh, she's going on a tour mm-hmm. and she'll stop on the show. Stop by the show. But uh that's probably gonna be delayed because obviously that movie's been a little bit delayed as of uh, as of Jamie Fox's hospitalization, but right you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. So yeah. Um I'm out of content for today. I gotta be honest.
1: So we're an hour and three minutes in. Um, um can, I,
2: can I jump in? Oh, yes, no, please. Yeah. Yes, come please. On, we come look at, on. Look at, this, is look at this ass. Unbelievable. Chris, Chris, this, is, this is exciting. Okay. I, I shared All it right. with Said. I think he's uh, I oh, think he's going to be pretty fun. I already feel
0: really bad about this. I don't know. <laughs> I
2: don't know where this is going. I made a little game.
1: Oh, a game.
2: Arun made a game. That's right. Yes. I if you bring you a doll this. in this
0: room, I'm leaving. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is. Who am I? I give you five hints. You have to guess who it is.
0: Is there is there any kind of base? Is it like, is this finance related? Yeah, or yeah just... of course
2: it's finance related. No, I'm going to talk about athletes, something you don't know nothing about. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready? Oh, no, you're not ready.
1: I'm ready. <laughs> you, you don't like what
0: you can't control, Chief. Yeah. Just... I feel very awkward right now. Let's go for it. No, yeah. let's just go
2: for it. All right. Hint number one I studied at Princeton University and Georgetown University Law Center. Who am I? They go from really hard hints to very easy.
3: Okay. All
2: right. So that's hint one. Hint two. My middle name is Hayden. Sol- Jamie,
0: Jamie Diamond. No. Solid name. You went to Harvard. Solid name. Sh- <laughs> shout out to all the listeners named Hayden. <laughs> yeah. Hayden Hobbs, stud.
2: Gangster. Said. Said's Saeed, no? middle name is not right. Hayden. Check. It's Muhammad. Check, check, check. <laughs> yes. All right. Hint number three. He's laughing hard I was there. nominated by President Obama for a role and appointed by President Donald Trump in another role. Oh. Hold on. Say that again. Let's I was see. nominated by President Obama for a role and then appointed by President Donald Trump oh. for another role.
1: Larry Summers was Bill Clinton. Uh, no, but you're
0: on the right track. It's somebody yeah. in in that yeah. camp. Yeah. It's not Jerome Powell, is it?
2: Bing, no. bing, bing.
0: Yeah. Wow. Jerome, Jerome Powell. Hayden Powell. Yeah.
2: Yep. Last hint was I'm responsible for overseeing the Federal Reserve policy decisions and regulating the U.S. banking. Oh,
0: system. that would have been a gimme. So you got yeah, it at see? the right time. Right? All right. So I think we conclusively proved that I'm smarter than you are.
1: <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. hold on. Well,
2: hold more. on. Hold on. I mean, uh, un- unless
0: unless
1: he's a laureate, I was, I mean.
2: Hold on. There's wow. a few. Let's go. Yeah. So far, yeah. so on. is one zero. Chris.
0: Is it more? Wow. This guy oh. really prepared. Oh, I Let's don't think go.
2: Chris was entertained. You, I'm, I'm not
0: entertained. <laughs> I'm entertained.
2: <laughs> All right. Number two. Okay. I graduated from MIT with a degree in physics. Boom. Like, hmm.
0: Wow. Noriel Rubini. Noriel
2: Rubini. I was drinking the Red <laughs> Bull. Piece of shit. <laughs> nope. Oh, we both got. <laughs>
1: then never mind. You said it first year out. He yeah. <laughs> doesn't it.
0: have a degree in physics. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we just think so highly of him that we assume. Clearly, he doesn't have Mr. <laughs> Mr. Boom Boom. Yeah, is all right. clearly physics related, right? right. Hit number two. I was named physics. in Forbes' 30 under 30 list in 2021.
3: Was it
0: Ethereum's chick? Charlie Javis. No. She didn't go to no? Harvard. Damn, no. you just
2: keep swinging, huh? Oh, man. You're just going to keep throwing out names.
0: Physics? Her? Come on. No. You, you hear that J.P. Morgan Chase had to pay for her like legal bills while they're suing her? <laughs> and just to get it back? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why. I didn't even read it. I was so pissed off at the article. I was like, nope, not reading this. Yeah. My, my energy's not going here. <laughs> oh, man.
2: All right. Okay, Hit number three. With a net worth of over $10 billion, I was one of the youngest billionaires in the world.
0: Who's one? Oh, MIT. God damn it. Bankman fried.
1: Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. No, well, he doesn't have a, no worth of $10
0: billion anymore.
2: I said it was. Oh, you yeah. said it was. Oh, okay.
0: You're not very good at this game. <laughs> Why don't you just give me all the points now?
2: He's <laughs> down 0-2. Oh, all right, let's go. Next one. Ooh. I am Scottish and an economist. Scottish.
1: Scottish economist. And an economist. All right,
2: that was a hard one. Here's another one. My most famous work is often referred to as the Bible of Capitalism.
0: Well, it's not Muhammad al Rain.
2: No. Him going to the house?
0: Oh, <laughs> nothing? All right. Bible of Capitalism. Hold on. Um, what's his name from Bridgewater? Ray Dalio. No. Mm. All
2: right. Mm. Hint number three. I wrote a book called The Theory of Moral Sentiments.
0: Well, I have no morals. I'm out of this one. Yeah, you be able to clearly, guess this one. Yeah, no. Which
2: explored the relationship between ethics and economics.
0: I don't have any ethics either. Morals Zero. and ethics. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, I mean do it, we cover these topics you on the topic show? Farther on, away right. from me.
2: Yeah. Question number four. I introduced the concept of the invisible hand.
0: That's a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> morals and ethics. Oh come on. In the workplace? You said morals or more hoes? Adam Smith. We've never covered this guy.
2: What? Oh. I mean, we've never covered him, but I just figured you guys would know. Wait,
1: hold on. You pitched this game
2: to me as people that we've covered on the show. Okay, I threw this guy. one random one in there. I threw one I'm random. I'm not convinced Adam Smith isn't a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The right, invisible right. hand. Fine, fine. <laughs> Fucking guy. All right, I threw one curveball in Do you have guy. anybody from, like, you know, 2000s? All right, here we go. This guy. I have been named to Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people in the world multiple times. Jamie Dimon.
0: literally be said Mark Zuckerberg. Nope. Jamie Dimon.
2: Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, it's you, one, two. I get two points for that one because it was on you clue get, number one. Get the fuck out of here, bro. On clue
0: number one, I get two points.
2: You, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. He was going to say Jamie Dimon, mean, everybody you threw
2: out there. He's <laughs> just going to keep that's saying my, it over that's over. That's my uncle. <laughs> All right, here we go. I was the first female to hold position of chair of the Federal Reserve.
0: Ooh,
1: uh,
2: Jenny Yellen. Ooh, son of a bitch. Two, two. Ooh, that's four. That's the first clue no, again. 2 two. All right, it's two, two, two. Two. <laughs> right, actually the last one that we have. He,
0: he so. wrote these. They're terrible first questions. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck
2: you. <laughs> All right, here we go. I used to run a successful hedge fund manager at... Ray Dalio. <laughs> I co-founded a financial news website called thestreet.com.
1: Principal of the day? I said Ray Dalio. Is that wrong?
2: That's yeah, wrong.
1: Not Ray Dalio. It's just street.com. I know. All
2: right. Hit number Successful two. Hedge fund. I have authored several books on finance investment, including Confessions of a Street Addict.
0: Street Addict. Norio Rubini. Nope. All right. No. Hit hit number me. three.
2: <laughs> I have made several cameo appearances in several films and television shows, including Iron Man and Arrested Development. Oh, uh, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk. No. Iron Man? No. He's he PayPal. I don't I don't yeah. No. I I just, I just Iron Man.
2: All right. And final hint. I you am known seen? for phrases like Booyah!
0: And are you ready? Oh, get Steve the fuck Daddy? out of here. I'm not even saying his name. <laughs> the reverse Kramer Fund.
2: Yeah. Oh Damn. wow. And Chris wins it. Three, wow.
0: I
1: hope you're happy you won off a of Jim Kramer. If I can end this show, end the show on Jim Kramer, bro. Booya. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he he thinks he he coined Booyah? That's him. He coined that. Yeah, that's I, can, him. I, I can never say booyah again.
0: You said it a lot? All the time. All, All right, favorite. we're ending the show on Saeed's relationship to booyah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts.